I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 584 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have several actors joining me on the podcast this week, and we're going to kick it off today with Sons of Anarchy star Theo Rossi. Theo Rossi is an actor who portrayed Juan Carlos Ortiz, better known as Juice, on the smash hit FX series Sons of Anarchy. He also starred as Shades Alvarez in Luke Cage. You can catch him recently starring alongside Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes in the Netflix drama True Story. Theo Rossi is also involved in helping our military veterans as an ambassador of the boot campaign, working with multiple organizations to raise money for wounded soldiers and those with PTSD. He has traveled to several military bases with U.S. military personnel during his time with Sons of Anarchy. Most importantly, Theo is a first-class father all the way. I'm happy to have him on the podcast today. Theo Rossi will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Theo Rossi was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation between the actor and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. And as I said, Theo is the first of several actors to join me on the podcast this week. And last week, actors Barry Watson of Seventh Heaven fame was here, along with Parker Young of Imposters. He stopped by the podcast as well. Coming later this week, actor and comedian Josh Peck from the famous Nickelodeon series Drake and Josh will be here with me. And to finish off the week, my interview with Hercules himself, yes, Kevin Sorbo will be joining me right here on First Class Fatherhood. And please don't forget my new book, First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get over there and pre-order yourself a copy. The book goes live April 12th. It will be shipping out. The link to the pre-order of the book is in the podcast description for today's episode. Make sure you guys are following me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. i got some great ones coming your way soon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit me with a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Theo Rossi. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Uh, joining me now, First Class Father, Theo Rossi. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you so much for having me. I like that First Class Fatherhood. That's I'll, I'll take First Class in Fatherhood. I'll take That's that. right. Well, you made it here. You made the grade. So let's start right there. How many kids do you have? How old are they? I got two boys, four and six. They're my little wildlings. That's like Lord of the Flies, I always say, on the ranch we live in. They got hair down to the middle of their back, and they're just wild. Uh, they're wild, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I got three boys, then got the girl on the fourth try. You guys be going for the girl or you're, you're done here? You know, we we just discussed this recently on a on one of these talk shows I was on. And the truth is, I know it's going to be a boy. I know, I, can, I know you can't say that, but I know if I we go again, it's going to be a boy. Um, There was a window, but, you know, it's talked about. But I'm like, just be ready. There's going to be three boys if it happens. And the only reason I say that is I think because we never found out what we were having. Uh. And I just kind of had this feeling at all times that it was, but I would love, absolutely love a daughter. That's amazing. You got the daughter on the fourth try. That's fantastic. Yeah. If not, we were willing to pull the trigger on five, but we, we got her at four. So that's the name of that tune. 
That's uh, amazing. If, <laughs> if you could, Theo, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I do a, a little bit of everything, but I guess uh, the, the thing that everybody kind of uh, knows it for is uh, my career in Hollywood the last 20 something years, you know, through uh, I think the thing that kind of put me on, I guess, the, the map of of human eyes is Sons of Anarchy. And then that went to Luke Cage and then that led to. This last few years of just everything, you know, uh, True Story, the most recent on Netflix, Army of the Dead uh, uh, and everything else. And now we're, you know, we produce a bunch of stuff. We're directing, um, directing a film coming up um, and just a lot of stuff coming out in the next year and a half. So it's been an incredible wild ride since Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, your, your career is on fire right now. If you could, Theo, t- take me back there to the beginning of your fatherhood journey there. About about how old were you when you became a dad and how did that experience change your perspective on life? Yeah, late, late. Uh, uh, during Sons, um, I, I was not in any preparation or ready. I knew I always wanted to be a father, but I grew up kind of without a father. So I've always said growing up without a father made me the better father. Um, and, and I know that that could be counterintuitive to what, what I'm saying is that I, just like I do in everything in life, like especially acting is I learn more what not to do from things than learning what to do. And while I wish, you know, I've had, I had influential people around me, my uncle and other people who are great guiders in my life. My mom, you know, was incredible and all that, but I was, I wasn't, I needed to be in the right place and I needed to be with the right person. And when I was starting to get to that phase, I was in the sixth season of Sons. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm ready. Like I, I felt ready, you know, I, and I don't know how you can pinpoint that moment, but I felt ready. Like I'm, I'm really looking forward to this journey. And, you know, what happened was um, we were with a few friends and uh, they were, trying as well, but it was not as easy, uh, meaning that they were just having a tougher time. And again, my ignorance was like, wow, because I never, when you're not, uh, thinking about parenthood, you don't really pay much attention to it. So I was like, oh, wow, this is hard for people. Like I thought like you just decide to have children and like you have children, like you just decide to do it. And my ignorance was like, well, we better start trying. And, you know, we, and, and of course, you know, first shot we were she was pregnant and we were ready to go and and uh and it's been a life changer ever since so i was 30 my son's six gonna be seven so i i i was just about to turn my son came i think right after i have to guess because i'm so bad with time i think i was 39 or 40 it was late late in the life for me um, and again, remember all my friends, I come from a super part of New York city where it's like, everybody has kids. Some of my friends had kids when they were 15. Some of my kids had, you know, most were 20, 21. So all their kids were grown and older. And I just started late. My wife is, uh, uh, five, six, seven, eight, almost eight, nine years younger than me. Um, and I got really fortunate. We had, uh, you know, the pregnancy wasn't, uh, easy in a way, you know, there were definitely some complications and nervousness that came with it for both of us. And, and then we had our second son two years later and, um, and here we are with six and four year olds and, uh, and they dominate just like, you know, having four, they, they dictate and dominate every single move you make in this life. Yeah, very well said. And and Theo, I just wanted to tap into that too, because one thing I do focus on a lot 
on this show is the fatherless crisis with so many kids that are growing up without that father or having that father figure. And yeah. that can lead to really disastrous results in our society here. So your, your experience, who became your main primary father figure? And how did that how do you think that that affected you when you first became a dad? Well, I was I was ultimately raised by women, right? It was my mom, my sister and my Nana were living in the house and I got accustomed to that. Um, and then in my longing for some type of figure, you know, my birth father was around, but he wasn't around, you know, it was, uh, you know, we were just talking about this one story where it was that typical, like almost like movie scene where I'm out there waiting for him to show up on the weekend where he was going to come and get us for the weekend or get me, uh, I should say, cause my sister wasn't around and, and, uh, he never showed, you know, it was one of those, you know, heartbreaking scenes where my mom came out and was like, I don't think he's coming. And I'm like, I think he is. And he never showed. Um, so how it dictated it was I longed for, you know, some type of d a different opinion. My mom is amazing. She wears the pants. She wears the cummerbund. She's as tough as nails, you know, that it comes. But when my Nana passed, when I was 14 or 15, I met my uncle in when we were at the funeral in Florida and he had been living in California and he was going to move to New York City. And he became like a de facto figure in my life, you know, for the next 10 years before he passed um, or no, he passed in 04. So however many years that was, uh, 90, maybe 20 years. But he uh, no, not even I'm terrible with math, but he he whatever he, he was, he died in 04 and we met about when I was 14, 15. And he came a year later, moved to New York, and we would just go for walks every day. And it was like this thing that I was missing, I guess. You know, he was uh, talking to me in a very different way about things that I hadn't been around, um, which had served, has continues to serve me tremendously. He's one of the biggest, greatest influences I've ever had in my life, just from the conversation standpoint. How this all influenced me as a father uh, I never had like, you know, yesterday, my, my son and I have this game, my six year old, where we where we play catch with the mini football. Now, every day he comes home from school because he plays baseball, he does jujitsu, he does whatever. And we created a horse game, but not horse like basketball, where if he drops it or I drop it, we get a letter. And and I'm not saying I let him win because he's got fantastic hands and he's got a great he's got a great arm. But he's I never ha I never threw a ball with my birth father ever. So it's like we have we're creating these memories, these daily things and these things that I wished were pressed upon me. But I want to I want to say one thing. I'm also kind of glad they weren't because I don't think I'd be where I am if they were. So it's it's this duality of I wish that I had it. But I don't know if I'd be an actor. I don't know if I would have met my wife. I don't know if I'd have my kids if they were pressed on me because it gave me a longing for something that I couldn't describe. Does that make sense? It does. It's always a paradox to say it. I'm a recovering alcoholic and an addict, and alcohol has played such a terrible role in my family. But had it not, would I be where I am right now in my life and with my wife and with my kids? So it's always a paradox to kind of look at it from both sides and say, man, this sucked. 
but it was good in the end because now I am and I have what I got. So it's and very difficult. You, I, I stopped drinking in 2010. I know all about it, right? I stopped smoking cigarettes in 2011. And while it's like, man, I smoked for 17 years or I drank since I was 11 years old and everybody I knew and everything that happened in my life was dictated around drinking. It was like, you had a day off, you got drunk. You, you know, there was, you, there was a happy hour you went like, and while I look back on it and go, man, that was, you know, what a waste. I also go, man, I am so glad that like that happened because I don't think I would be or have the motivation or do the things I did. Right. So it's the yin and the yang of life, right? You can't, you can't wish things away. You can only say, what did it do to you? So I know that I said recently, like not having a a father figure and a dad was one of the best thing that's happened to me as being a dad. And I know some, a few people were kind of rubbed the wrong way. They were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, no, no, no. I'm just saying that I took a negative and turned it into a positive, just like what you're saying with sobriety and drinking and, and that whole thing. Like if you can take that negative and now from a 10,000 foot view, look at it as a positive, that's amazing. And a lot of people don't do that. You know, that's, they wish that, it that's what I was just, that's what I was just going to jump in there and say too, is like for, for you finding the father figure, like with your uncle or uh, what have you, the, the, and I interview a lot of military guys on the show here that find that father figure that they didn't grow up with in the military. A lot of the athletes find it in a coach, but it's when these guys don't find that positive role model, they find it in the street or with the kid that's, that's right. just a year or two older than them. It just leads to this cycle of just terrible problems in the society, in the community. And it's, it's those things that I wish we could uh, wake up and get more fathers involved in their kids' lives because I think it would make such a major difference in what's going on in our country. And even if not fathers, just a figure. Right. This is where, you know, you heard when you were young, the big brother programs and, you know, now all that stuff is so hard to do. Right. Because people but it's just like so many people are looking for like um, an outlet of, hey, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. You and I don't have all the answers. So it's like it, maybe I could bounce this off someone and get their response. Right. Because if you're only hearing this stuff in your own head, no matter what age you are that becomes the fact. And that's not necessarily always true. So what, back to my kids, I'm trying to teach them that there's multitude of ways to see things like when you're young and that there's, you know, there's, I'm just giving them, I'm just putting like the bumpers on the bowling alley where I'm like, Hey, you know, this and this, and think about this and spread kindness and, you know, and all the things that I'm trying to hard work and, and, and love your brother and listen, you know, you got to stand up to this and, you know, life is tough and there's things that happen. So I'm I'm just trying to basically be there as like a, a when they get close to something that I can say, hey, from my experience, this is something that'll help without pressing any of my own past issues on them because they're going to have their own. Right. So I'm just there as like almost like a, a sounding board of like, hey, what's going on? And that's why we do a dinner every night. We literally say, how was your day? What was the best part of it? What was the worst part of it? Well, you know, what, 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 what did you enjoy about today? What did you not like about today? And hearing them express that every single night at dinner is incredible. Yeah, and, and that's the favorite part of my day, Theo. We, we sit down as a family of six every night at six o'clock and eat dinner together. We're, we're faith-based. We pray together. Yep. Uh, and it's the best part of my day. I, I really love it because we're all there. We're disconnected uh, from technology, and it's just us uh, having a meal. And it's, I, I love the fact that we do it. And I wanted to – tapping into your career a little bit here then, Theo, as an actor – 
has becoming a dad kind of changed the particular roles that you're seeking to play or that you're, you're thinking about playing for yourself in the future now? Has it had any kind of influence on your career that way? Um, you know, I, I, to say it, I mean, I think it probably has that I'm unaware of meaning like, um, Hollywood's a crazy game, right? I mean, I started as an extra in this business long ago and, and ultimately, you know, um, I've, I've always been fighting from the bottom. Like, you know what I mean? I've never been in the aggressive, like standpoint of like, let me pick my targets. It's always been me fighting from the bottom. And I've been fortunate in the stuff that has come to me in the fighting from the bottom. When I had, when my first son was born, I was doing this film Lowriders, which was very specific about the relationship I had to my father in the film, which was all playing out like how my own life had played out. And now I'm having a son. Like I literally left filming to go have my first son flew back to New York. And in, so has it influenced the roles that I've chosen? No, but it's made me a gazillion times better uh, artist, actor, um, anything you can say, because the one thing that a lot of people don't, don't talk about about kids and maybe because maybe because there's very few people who do it or maybe there's a lot of people that do it that don't even realize is that kids cut out a lot of the the nonsense in your life. You just don't have time for it anymore. Like you're you you have so little time that nonsense becomes you start to recognize nonsense more. So now when it comes to picking projects, I think it's like what's going to be the most beneficial, not just for me, but for my family. How long am I going to be gone? Where am I going to be? How am I, how can I, can I bring them for a few days? Is, is it, is the character so dark that I don't want to bring them? Is it, you know, and, and we're still at this kind of strange age where they're figuring out, like they put on Netflix and they see my picture in one of the thumbnails and they're like, that's you. And I'm like, yeah. And I have to explain to them like what it is and why people want to talk to me, you know, at, at target or, you know what I mean? And they have to understand. And like, you know, so it's like, we're in this weird phase of like four and six year old where they're really starting to understand that something's a little different. Um, so how does it, uh, ultimately, uh, impact the roles? I'm going to do what is best for me and my family before I do what's best for me. Always. That's, that's just what I do. Um, now that wasn't the case before that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And what about, I know, I know what it's like with six and four there. What kind of disciplinarian are you as a dad? Are you a spanker timeout guy? Are you hitting them with the philosophy or uh, what no. kind of disciplinarian are you? Yeah. You know, um, I'm, I would say I'm learning more and more, but what's been consistent, definitely let's call it for the six years. Cause Kane's been around the longest is the counting. I'm very aware of the counting, right? We have a thing where once we get to counting, that's it. I'm, I'm big on the stare, right? I don't have to do much. Um, I'm 100% a disciplinarian. My disciplinarian where I, where I sometimes, I don't want to say fail, but where I sometimes have to catch myself is sometimes I talk to them like they're 38 years old where I'll be like, right. what? like, why would you do that? Like, that doesn't even make sense because you were just saying this and I'm now over here and why would you cut? And they're just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Anymore. Right. Like they, they were lost. Right. So I'm trying now to keep things simple, simple with them as in, especially for the four-year-old of like this and this. So what we do now is um, I would probably be considered a pretty heavy disciplinarian, as in manners are the most important thing. Um, 
we call ourselves the Wolf Kings, the family, especially, you know, the the boys and she's the Wolf Queen, my, you know, my wife, but we Wolf Kings. And I tell them like Wolf Kings are fearless. Wolf Kings are scared of nothing. Wolf Kings. So we always talk in the Wolf King kind of lingo for us. And it's like, you know, because we live on this ranch in Austin and we go for walks, you know, with the dog every day together. And what I say with them while we're walking around the the acres is you have to listen to me. And the only way you're going to listen is, you know, your hands are at the side, listen with your ears, listen with your eyes, listen with your mind, listen with your whole being. And if I see I, I'm, I've gotten so much more patient where if I see they're not listening, I will wait until they're listening to me. And I have to give myself that patience of like, because I'm a big believer in actions speak louder than words. We all know this one. But instead of telling them what to do, I show them what to do, right? So I'm big on like, especially because I'm building a lot of things and fixing a lot of things here, like I'm showing them what to do. I don't want to just tell them, I show them, I show them. So my disciplinary thing is we're very regimented because I'm a regimented person. So I'm very regimented as in the times and waking up and eating. If you don't eat your dinner, the dinner goes to the side. You don't get something else. You have to eat that. And then there's a time limit on that dinner, right? Like you only, you can't, it's not just there all night. So it's like the discipline is very regimented of a, of particular time. Everything's in a time situation. Yeah. I'm working through that too with the, with the eating with my daughter right now. She's my youngest, my only girl, seven. And sometimes she'll do a disappearing act at the table. We don't even realize, but where did she go? You know, mm-hmm. she, you know, she's rough running, especially when we got them Brussels sprouts on the table, you know? Oh but, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and listen, that's the thing. It, like, it's like one day, like I love carrots and I don't like carrots. You know, I don't eat carrots. And I'm like, you just ate carrots. Well, I don't like these <laughs> carrots. And it's yeah, like, right, what you, yeah. what's wrong with these carrots? And I'm like, they're the same one. They're literally a leftover. And it's like, so you can't, and then you know what's happening. You know what's coming 20 minutes later is I want a banana or I want right. this and I want that. And you're like, no, no. And and if you, what my wife and I are really good at is we kind of give each other looks of like, we got to stick together on this one. Like you can't just say, just give it to him because he's hungry or just do this. And that goes for I say iPads, but they're not iPads, those Amazon ones, the fires, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, there's, we're very big on like time limits. I go back to time. Like you can watch TV, but you have 15 minutes. You can do this, but everything is, and if you're going to do this, you got to do that. So go outside, clean this up, bring the garbage here, do this. And then you get that. And, and maybe, I don't know if reward based is the right thing, but it works for us. And it works for different kids too. Different kids respond obviously different. I find that with the four of mine, they all respond differently. We've had a trial and error with all of them to find out which way it works best. So yeah, uh, it's uh, still a work in progress. Hundred uh, percent. I mean, parenting is a work in progress, right? That's it. Until until till we till. I mean, I the one of the greatest things that happens when you're older is you realize that your parents might not have known, especially when you become a parent. You yep. go, wait a second. They were in the same position I was, and I don't know anything. But right. you assume when you're younger, they know everything. And that's one <laughs> of the greatest kind of lies you tell yourself until you're a parent. Right. Then the illusion is over, right? Yeah. The illusion is over, and you go, man, they are just flawed human <laughs> beings like right. I am that, that, are, that are getting by by the seat of their pants. They don't know what they're doing. And you kind of yeah. kind of almost make peace with that really uh, – and I'm not saying it, maybe it's, maybe it's not just, I, I definitely think it's hammered more home when you have kids, but I think it's definitely when you get older, 
and you start to just see it from a different perspective. 100%. And obviously right now you got the true story going with Kevin Hart, Wesley Snipes, whatever yeah. kind of projects or movies or shows, what else is, what's in the pipeline for you? Oh man, we're, I'm fortunate. I think I have 10 projects coming out this year. Um, I'm filming one right now. And then I have uh, a couple others lined up that I'm going to go to right after this. Uh, most of the movies, some are animated, uh, some are, uh, uh, no more, n- not right now, TV shows, everything's movies. So, uh, tons of stuff coming out. It's all on everything. You know, we just had our film, big film at Sundance, which was amazing. That comes out for the, the, it did incredible at Sundance that comes out in the fall called Emily, the criminal. Um, I think between the end of April and May, there's like five, four or five movies coming out that I did. So, uh, people are going to be incredibly sick of me, but the good thing is I never look like myself in the stuff I do. So you can't get sick of me. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Listen, last thing I want to hit you with here at the yeah. I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. Uh, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Yeah. I mean, oh man, my sister, my sister and her husband just had their first uh, baby. And, and, you know, I talk to him a lot. I think it's uh, take it minute by minute, like every single thing, enjoy every single second. Everybody tells you, right. It all happens so fast. Kids grow up fast, but you know, that's true. But also know that this too shall pass, whatever you're feeling. I remember when I was with Kane and like he wouldn't sleep. He was such a bad sleeper and I was so tired. And somehow he had this like Jedi mind trick of like he would know if my if my butt cheeks touched the chair, he would start wailing. So I had to stand all the time with him. And like that's the only way he would sleep. And I was so exhausted. And I remember thinking like, how am I going to do this? Like, you know, forever. But it passes. And it changes and like it becomes something else. And I'll tell you the greatest advice I ever heard. And I say this to everyone. Having a kid is like watching your heart walk around outside your body for the rest of your life. And if something happens to your heart, you won't exist. Um, Know that things change and they become different. And every situation is not the situation. So if you feel cut off from people, if you feel like it's all consuming, if you feel like you're not getting things done with work, if you feel it, whatever you're feeling, because you're going to focus on the negative, just remember the focus on the positive, the, the, the bath times and the play times and the, and the, the first steps and the, and the, and the, the beauty that comes with that, that this is an extension of you. That's how we live forever you know, through this extension of us, that's what makes us eternal. So nothing is permanent. And that's, uh, that's the best thing that I can tell people. Yeah. Very well said. I love the message. It's been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Theo Rossi, you're a first class father all the way. Thank you so much for giving me thank a few you. minutes of your time here at First Class I truly father. appreciate you. Thank you so much. And uh, I appreciate that you're doing this. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Theo Rossi for giving me a few minutes of his time. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Wednesday on the podcast, actor, comedian Josh Peck will be stopping by. He starred in the famous Nickelodeon series, Drake and Josh. He's got a new book out on Wednesday. He's going to tell us all about it. And speaking of new books, 
My new book, First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads, is now available for pre-order over on Amazon. So go show your support. Get over there, pre-order a copy of the book. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Sometimes